right. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Praise the Lord. Wow, what a day we have had. Who was with us this morning for our uh, fun time together? Amen. Did everybody get plenty of cake? All right. Well, there's probably more because we bought like a cake for a thousand people. So anyway, if you need some cake, I, I know I know some people that I could cut you a really good deal. Cut you a really good deal. Do we have a drummer tonight? All right. So anyway. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand up before I ruin the whole day. All right. Let's, uh, we're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep seeing America come to Jesus, aren't we? Amen. All right. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jesus some praise tonight. And you may be seated. All right. Well, we got some uh, a few announcements to go through here and everything. And so, obviously, uh, most of you have hopefully heard about the great news about Barstow by now. And so, uh, if you haven't, uh, just a long story short, real short. Uh, but yesterday, it was formally announced that uh, Santa Fe and the powers that be are building a 1.5 billion dollar hub right here in Barstow. Yeah, and they're bringing. Oh, it's going to be on TV tonight. All right. Oh, right on. Well, stay tuned into our broadcast. You can watch that later. I noticed, I've noticed that during football season, our Sunday night uh, views go way down, but it's okay. Sunday night football is only, you know, it doesn't last forever, but praise God. Um, but yeah, so they're building it. It's going to be the largest rail hub in the Western United States and, uh, the first of its kind facility. So, uh, Barstow is getting ready to just explode with growth and I'm telling people, you know, everyone's like, I'm moving to Texas. Well, you may want to pump the brakes on Texas. This is where it's at, brother, right here. Come on. And so, amen. Our positive faith filled words are bringing about a change and it's awesome. And I'm super, super excited uh, because as the town grows, there's going to be families that need Jesus. There's going to be people that need discipled and marriages that need fixed. And we're just sitting here like, bring them on, brother. Bring them on. We're ready, man. All right, uh, so we better get into the announcements. Um, uh, our construction, our contractor is starting tomorrow on the bathrooms back here. So praise God for that. We They're going to do the bathrooms first and then the uh, upstairs room and whatever else needs done. I don't, I don't even know now, but lots of stuff. New toilets, new sinks, new floors, new doors, new everything. And so it's going to be brand new bathrooms and they're going to be the best in Barstow. That's my goal. So praise God for that. Um, of course, Harvest Fest coming up in just a few weeks. We're in October, so we're four weeks away from Harvest Fest. And this coming Sunday is the spaghetti dinner right after the morning service. $8 adults, $5 kids. And you knew you were going to go spend that at Del Taco anyway, so don't lie. Get some spaghetti. You can change it up for one day. One day, eat Italian for lunch. And it all goes to Harvest Fest. And we need candy, 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 candy. We're trying to fill 1,500 bags this year. So uh, we, we do have a lot in the office. We're putting in the refrigerator over there. But keep bringing it in. We need a lot more. So thank you for doing that. 
And then uh, my mom handed me this. The women's meeting is this Friday. Next Friday. I don't... What day is it? All right. I've had a busy couple days, people. Uh, Friday, October 14th, ladies. Uh, it's going to be Mexican food for the dish. And so bring a dish to share, your Bible, a notebook, and have a good time, girls. All right. And then... Uh, the young adults, uh, uh, they're going to the Brandon Lake concert this Saturday in San Diego. All right. So they're going to meet at the church at noon. And then their goal is to exit the parking lot by 1230. The concert's down in San Diego. If you have any questions, see Alex, Rosalinda, one of them. And they'll give you the details on that. So you get your ticket and give them a little money uh, for gas. And that'll get you down there. Uh, and then the Lyft family picnic at the park is coming up. On Tuesday the 11th, all right? Yeah, the last one was just a huge success. I mean, there's a lot. I can't believe how many people went to that. But it's, um, so this is going to be Tuesday, October 11th from 5 p.m. until it gets dark. Bring dinner for your crew, maybe a little extra to share, and everyone's going to have a really good time fellowshipping and bonding as a church family. Amen? All right. I think that's all the announcements for now that I know of. All right. So let's go ahead and have Pastor come on up and do our Sunday night tithes and offerings. Amen. It is happy time. All right. What time is it, boys and girls? Happy time. Let, let me do a happy check. Uh I, I, I see the whites of your eyes, but I don't see the whites of all the teeth. <laughs> Yellow. Oh, that's why. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Uh, used to be a commercial. You wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. Amen. Did we remember the Pepsodent commercial? Amen. I better watch out. They'll shut Facebook down on us by unlawfully using somebody's name. Okay. <laughs> if you need an envelope, pull up your hand, and the ushers are glad to serve you. I'll open up your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. I've got some good news for you. Uh, gas at currently is going up again. I just stopped to get some gas come to church. It was $4.69. I thought, nope, five, or $5.69. Man, I t- took me, it, took, it, took, it took me a long time to even say $0.99 since I was so used to the gas, but it was way under a dollar for so many years. But anyway... Uh, that's not the good news. It's going up, but the good news is right here in Philippians chapter 4. Amen. We're not going to focus on the bad news. I, I like something Mrs. Pastor said this morning when she was doing, doing her talking that all those years we lived by faith and the ways we did, and then we roll model in front of you and teach you how to live by faith where we are. Guys, if you don't know it, this is the season that you find out if you have faith or not. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, fear is just the opposite of faith. And you look at gas, buddy, and the lowest price you can find is four ninety nine or five oh, still can't say. Well, I've been talking to people. My daughter in Florida told me their gas just hit three dollars, it's going down. Talked to people in Texas a few days ago, they said they're under three dollars now. And then California's on the rise again. So glory to God, that means we have a chance to prove God faithful again. Just what we're doing. But Philippians chapter four. And verse 19, we all know, but I always like to teach you what the rest of the Bible says. Build up that verse. That's one of the number one laws of Bible interpretation is read, read the verses before the verses after. See who's doing the talking and what they're talking about. For this is Paul. And he's talking to his supporters as he's in the missions. And I just want to look right here. 
at verse 15. Now, you Philippians know also that beginning of the gospel, talk about his gospel ministry going out into the mission field. When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. Giving and receiving, but you only. And I put yellow through the giving and receiving. And years ago, the Lord taught me something. I've always been a tither and giver since I've been a Christian. And I always use my faith to tithe. I always use my faith to give into offerings. But at come tight times, he told me what to use my faith on the receiving side. And so I had to start confessing what the Word said about my receiving, about my harvest. And I always got excited when I got a harvest. But God blessed me with supernatural with something from somewhere else or somebody blessed me. I had to start being thankful and thanking him. And even before it happened, gas prices going up and... Uh, we could all feel the crunch a little bit about paying more for everything for what's going on. But when those times come, this is how we're supposed to talk. I'll show you as we go. Giving and receiving. Everybody say, giving and receiving. Amen. And for even in Thessalonica, you sent once again unto my necessity. How many here uh, have support missionaries regularly, or at least you give offerings sometimes to missionaries? You're part of the missionary thing. Well, see, we can say that. Then. We can say this is the thesis or this is the Niles, or this is any, any, any number of those missionaries that we support, they can say, you know what? The church in Barstow, High Desert Word Center, you guys are communicating with me in giving and receiving. Keep the receiving in there. It says, but I have all. Well, no, verse 17, verse 16. You said, once again, my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but look at this. I desire fruit that may abound to your what? Account. You know, uh, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the books in heaven that God keeps. They're going to open up the books on Judgment Day and judges out of the books. But at the same time, God keeps financial books too. When you read the book of Acts, there's a man named Cornelius that wasn't a Christian yet. He's a Roman. And then God, God had an angel come and talk to him and told him, your prayers and your alms have come up before heaven. God sees your prayers and your alms. He sees your giving. And so God wants to bless you now. Amen. Get a hold of this. Because we as a high desert word center don't just go around quoting scriptures we don't qualify for. We want to qualify for the scriptures we quote so we get the blessing out of them. And so he says, God says uh, through Paul, that is our fruit that may abound to your account. He says, I have all and abound. I'm full. Have received of Papaditis the things which were sent from you in odor of a sweet smell a sacrifice successful, well-pleasing to God. And I'll tell you what, even if the gas price in California go up, missionaries that count on us to help them, <laughs> you know, we have to use our faith now more than ever to keep our missionary pledges, do what we're doing, because those guys over there don't have somebody, an ATM card they can run right up to. They count on what America sends to them because we're representing God to them. And so he says it's a sweet-smelling uh, sacrifice in the nostrils of God. Think about that. God says, when we use our faith to give, even if it looks like we can't afford to give, but we use our faith to give, say, God smells that. Wow. I'd rather have you smell something good come breathing stench. Amen. And now we get to verse 9. Verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to how much gas prices are. According to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. By God's supply, all your need, all your need 
Unless gas hits seven dollars a gallon, then watch out, it might get kind of tight. No, not in heaven. I'm looking to heaven to take care of my needs because I'm going to cooperate and be a giver. And so when I look at this passage right here, I like to look at that first word, verse 19, but I like to say, use your but to your advantage. Every time somebody talks about how high gas is and starts whining, yourself included, every time you start to whine, did you see what gas is today? You immediately got to train yourself say what God says. Yeah, I see what it is, but my God shall supply all of my need for his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, well, well you, you, you know, we're going to make that trip this week. We've had this plan for months. We've got to make that trip. You know how far that is? You know how much gas is now? But my God shall supply all my need. Well, the kids got all these going away practices and games and all they're doing. Boy, my kids just love what they're doing there. And that's my kids and they're getting blessed. And I committed I'd do this for my kids. But my God shall supply all of my need for his riches. But did you see how much this costs? But my God shall supply all of my need. Amen. So I want to tell you what. God backs the word when you're operating the word. How do you, how do you operate in line with the word of God? How does faith work? It's what you hear. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. And then Jesus said you speak. It's what you say about the word that you're hearing. And then he said it's from your heart. You have to shut the head off. And that might mean you have to quit watching so much news. And if you get around negative people that are not faith people, all they want to do is whine and murmur and complain. Psalm 1 says they're scorners. They're scornful people. All that I do is murmur, whine, and complain and do nothing to change anything. And so I'm really taking time on this right now because I tell you what, it's bothering me again what I'm seeing for gas prices. I got money to put gas in my tank, but I don't like paying that much for it. Amen. And I know some of you with, with kids and things you do, you may be stretched harder than what I am, but I don't like you to have to do it either. But my God shall fill your gas tank every time it needs filled in Jesus' name. My God shall fill your grocery cart every time you go in Jesus' name. My God shall pay your heating bill for your house's winter in Jesus' name. My God shall do that. And so I just want to encourage you. Keep on doing what Paul said. When we do these missions offerings on, on this uh, third Sunday of the month, every month, stretch yourself if you have to because what you do for these missionaries is going to determine how much is in your account in heaven. Amen. You don't want to be overdrawn. Glory to God. Let's stand up. And I was tell Mrs. Pastor on the way to church, I started making our financial faith confession when I pulled in the gas station on the way to church. And I told her that as the former senior pastor because now I'm the oversight pastor now. I said, all these things we have set up here, I remember probably 15 years ago, I heard things like this at different churches. I visited ministers' meetings and stuff. I said, man, I want to have a confession for our church. And so I, at one church had, had a lot of this in it, but I, but I prayed I tailored this for our church come out of my heart. And so I'm just thinking about these things that we do. It's so wonderful to have a church full of people that are in unity and harmony with the Word of God and that actually see the work of their lives. That's what we want is fruit. All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive.
jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, find of money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give Jensen in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to worship up at the altar with us and let's sing together.
because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good you are good to Sing me and with a cry and with a cry of praise my heart will proclaim that you are good you are good and in the sun and rain my life celebrates that you are good you are good and with a cry the cry of praise, my heart will proclaim that you are good, you are good, and in the sun and rain, my life celebrates that you are good, you are good. Let's put our hands together. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, and you are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me. Powerful name it is. 
and nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus death could not hold you the veil tore before you you silenced the boast of sin and grave the heavens are roaring the praise of your glory for you are raised to life again you have no rival you have no equal now and forever God you reign yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name Beautiful name, 
the name of Jesus is. You know, we're singing, and I'm just thinking back how many times in my life that name, only that name, has brought me through some really bad stuff. Is anybody with me tonight? You've been there. I mean, hey, you didn't know what else to do. But if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Amen. And I just know time and time again the name of Jesus in the darkest, worst moments of life. Simply speaking, the name of Jesus can bring peace into the worst of situations. It, it can bring hope. It can, it can restore your joy. The name of Jesus is the name above every other name. I remember when I was 15, someone very close to our family died. Shocking. No one saw it coming. I mean, total surprise, freak accident, and just, I mean, turned life upside down in the worst way possible but i didn't know what else to do uh as a 15 year old i i slept with a bible under my arm because i didn't know what to do and all i could do was just say the name of jesus and and just speaking the name of jesus somehow made everything okay and there's no other name you could do that with you could say dave you could say jesse you could say blake and those are all fine names (laughs) but they're not the name of jesus they're not the name above all names and the name of Jesus is that name above all names. Amen. And so I encourage us tonight, if you don't know what else to say, if nothing else, call on the name of Jesus and watch what he can do in our lives. Amen. Let's give him another shout of praise together tonight. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. You are the name above every name. And we thank you that you said that we could come unto the Father in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. We love you and we praise your name forevermore. Have your way in this service this evening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he good tonight? Amen. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever and ever. I'm so glad that His mercies are new every morning uh, because, hey, I need new mercy every day. (laughs) And His mercies are new every single morning. Great is His faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Well, who had a good time with us this morning? Well, tonight we're going to get into the Word. And the title is this. It's called Payback. We're talking about getting some payback tonight. And, uh, and I guess another way I worded it is I want my stuff back. (laughs) I want my stuff back. And, uh, and as you'll see, I don't just believe in getting your stuff back. I believe in getting more back than what the enemy tried to steal from you. Uh, but so the title is payback and I know whether you know it or not, all of us at some point or another have been robbed. And I'm not talking about maybe at gunpoint or by a burglar or something, but I'm talking about something or someone has come and stolen or at least tried to steal the blessings that God has given to you. Now, this could be material things, you know, that's bad enough. But it could also be non-material things like your joy or your peace or, you know, something else from you that the devil's trying to steal away. And... uh, so many people simply aren't paying attention in life and they don't even know that they've been robbed until it's too late. When I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, 
coincidentally also when I was 15. So <laughs> throw back to when I was 15, everybody. But I, I was in St. Petersburg, and that is a huge city. I think it's bigger than New York City. And and I'm from a, just a small little town, and I am not used to it. So we're on the subways every day going from place to place. I get back to the to our hotel that night, and I go to get my wallet out of my backpack, and it is gone. Somebody in Russia pickpocketed me and stole every dollar that I had to my name 8,000 miles away from home. And, you know, that's a scary thing when you're 15, but I didn't even know it until it was too late. And how many times that you don't realize till later on, somebody got you. You know, someone took it away. And uh, I guess I'll share this story again because it's just the dumbest story of my life probably. But, it, you know, most of you know it when I assisted some thieves in breaking into my neighbor's home. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. And so I get home from uh, picking. I dropped one of the kids off at daycare one day. And I come back and there's a young man sitting in my yard. And I'm like, huh, there's not usually a young man sitting in my yard. That's weird. But me being naive and I just... I don't ever just, I don't jump to conclusions. Maybe I should. I just assume everybody's up to good. I, and, and so I'm like, hey, bud, how you doing over there? And he's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, uh, hey, do you want like, you, you want a water or something? He's like, no, I'm just waiting on my friends. And I'm like, oh, your friends? He's like, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be here soon. Believe me. I'm like, okay. Uh, you want a sandwich or something? You want to come in? You can wait for him inside. And, uh, and he's like, no, no, it'll just be a minute. And so uh, a couple minutes later, I hear banging on my door, help, help, we've been robbed. And and I didn't realize it, but the dude in my yard was the lookout. All his friends, they were coming to get him, but they were in my neighbor's house robbing everything. And so uh, my neighbor, uh, they weren't home, but uh, his mom happened to drive by and thought, well, I'll just check in on my son and see how he's doing. She opens the door and the thieves come running out with their arms full of stuff and they run up the street and, and well, they most of them got away but the police did catch the guy in the yard at my house and they're like we're going to take you to identify him we're going to put you in the back of our car you can see him but he can't see you I'm like oh okay I'll go and they're like just trust us so we pull up and they roll the window down right in front of the guy <laughs> and he's like hey it's you and I'm like oh why'd you do that you anyway I love the police that's not a knock on them but I'm just saying like oh they got me now the guy knew who identified him and he knows where I live and he knows that I'll probably let him into my house again and so it was terrible terrible don't be like me there's some things you could maybe be like me and don't be like me and stupid things like that and so anyway um yeah i think the other guys got away but praise god you know uh, but there, there are thieves and sometimes it's happening right in front of us and if we're naive we don't even realize what in the world is going on and so we're going to talk about a few things here tonight uh, about payback. And yeah, I want my stuff back. Can somebody say, I want my stuff back? I want it back. And I'm telling you that I don't just want it back a little bit. I want it back with interest. And I'll give you a Bible on that here in a minute. Amen. All right. So if we're going to get our stuff back, number one, you have to identify the thief. If you want your stuff back, you have got to identify the thief. Now, in 2008, I read this story a while back, that, uh, 
But uh, there a, a robber up in Sacramento, he wanted to rob the Bank of America. And so he put an ad in the newspaper uh, in the job section for a construction job. And he said, if, you know, if you want the job, show up to the Bank of America at this address wearing uh, construction clothes, have a construction vest on, and, uh, and be prepared. And so like 100 people show up wearing the exact same thing. He's also wearing the same thing. He goes inside, robs the bank, and comes back out. The police come. Well, there's a hundred guys that match the description of the suspect. And he totally got away. And I found out later, because I saw him an interview with this, this man uh, a couple years later, and he, they did eventually catch him one day. But he had just a brilliant idea. And the thing is, is they got there. And they didn't know who the thief was. They couldn't identify him. They thought it was anybody and everybody. And sometimes in our life, we're looking like, uh, who was it? Uh, which, which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? They have no idea. Well, I can tell you this much. The thief is not God. It is not God. And sometimes people think that God took something away to teach them a lesson. And so John 10, 10, we can... I mean, you can turn, you t- go ahead and turn there. I was just going to have us quote it because 90% of you should, should be able to quote this by now. But John 10, 10 in the King James. And this is, this, well, I mean, I've heard it said this is the dividing line of the Bible. This teaches you <laughs> who to look for. But John 10, verse 10. It's Jesus speaking. He says, the thief cometh not. But for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life. They may have it more abundantly. And so the thief he's talking about there is the devil. And so Jesus said, the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I didn't do that. I came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. And so in our lives, if there's anything that's stealing, killing, or destroying me, I know it's not from God. He already said it's not me. And again, so many people have maybe been taught or they heard the man, God's going to get you. I'll tell you that right now, man. He's going to get you. And, and you know, this happened. Well, the Lord must have put that on you to teach you something. And, and, and it's simply not so. Jesus said that he comes to give life. He didn't come to kill you, to steal from you or destroy you. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. And so if we're going to identify the thief, the very first fact that you have to get established in your heart is God is not the thief. He is not a stealer. God is not a robber. He's not a killer. God is the almighty, everlasting, loving father that comes to give life and life more abundantly. And now maybe to to your surprise, I'm also going to say the thief is not other people. Uh, you know, it's not other people. Now, the thief, the devil can use other people to, you know, do destructive things in this world and in our lives. But I recognize this fact that if I'm constantly chasing down other people and fighting with them and all this stuff, then I'll never really get to the source of where the thieving is coming from. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. Let's go. We're going to look at uh, verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 6, verses 11 and 12. And, of course, we got the armor of God right here. This is a fabulous uh, uh, section of Scripture to look at. But Ephesians chapter 6, 
and of verses 11 and 12. And it tells us to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of who? The devil. The strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. What does that mean? We're not fighting against people. That's not who our war is with. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And, you know, do you realize there is an unseen world? There are wicked spirits and all this stuff. There's angels. There's demons. But we're, we're, we're fighting against uh, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, notice there in verse 11, it says that we need to be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. So guess what? The devil has strategies. He's got tricks. He's got deceit. And the King James calls it the wiles of the wicked one. And I like that because wiles and wily isn't a word we use much these days. But think about Looney Tunes for a minute, if you will. And that's right. I know you come to this church because we are so theologically deep. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Uh, but think of wily coyote. Uh, you know, there's that word, wily. Well, what does wily mean? Wily means a trickster, somebody that's got to trick you and fool you and, and go the back way around because they aren't smart enough and good enough to just plow you right down. And, and, and that's what the devil does. He's got all these tricks and because he's not good enough to just mow you straight down, right? I, I mean, you know, if you've got the armor of God on, you're ready for the fight. And so what does he do? He tries his wiles, his his wily schemes to come in and trip you up. And one of the best things he can do is make you think, oh, Robert's the problem. There you go. Yeah, fight him. Yeah, what do you think about that? And if I'm spending all my time fighting Robert and the devil's over here with the U-Haul truck, just packing up all my goods out the back door, I don't know it until a long time later. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, whoa, what happened to my marriage? What happened to my kids? Why am I so depressed? I don't have any money. I'm sick. I'm poor. Everything. When did all this happen? It all happened when I was mad at Robert and thinking he was my problem. You know, it's an example. I'm not really mad at Robert. Just put that out there. Love the guy. Love him. He's awesome. But I'm saying that he can use his wiles and schemes. And that's why this verse clearly tells us you are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. People are not the problem. Now, the devil uses them, especially people that aren't submitted to God. Yes, but if you are going at them, you'll never get to the root of the issue. And the devil is stealing you blind, and you have no idea until it's too late. And so don't fall for the decoy. Amen. Be paying attention, all right? So you got to identify the thief, number one. And it's certainly not God. It is not other people. It's the devil. And then number two, I'm going to talk about get your stuff back. Getting your stuff back. I, I read this story uh, about an 18-year-old kid in uh, Chicago. He grabbed this old lady's purse and just took off running. Well, she was like, I'm not, no, no, you're not getting, she chased this 18 year old down, cornered him in an alley and, and gave him a Bible lesson on stealing. And the kid broke down in tears, gave the, gave the purse back, apologized and prayed. And it was all over with, but, but people are like, ma'am, why would you chase a kid? Why would you do that? She's like, 
I wanted my stuff back. No one's going to steal from me and get away. No. And so she did something about it. And how many of us, the devil comes and swipes something and maybe takes off running and we're just like, oh, I really liked that. Oh, man. Oh, why? Why? Do something about it. Go after the thief and don't let him get away with it. You have to fight. You realize that 1 Timothy 6.12 tells us to fight the good fight of faith. You don't roll over and play dead just because something bad happens. You fight the good fight of faith and you do something about it. And so let's look here at a really good Old Testament story. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Can we go there? 1 Samuel chapter 30. And this is the story of David. And you better know that David was a fighter. He wasn't about to just roll over and play dead and let the enemy get away with taking his stuff. So here we have it. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We are going to get our stuff back. We are not rolling over and playing dead and letting the enemy just get away with stealing from us anymore. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. The New Living Translation uh, translates John 10, 10 as saying he wants to give us a rich and satisfying life. That sounds, that sounds like a good thing, right? Who would like a rich and satisfying life? All right. Who would like a poor and unsatisfying life? <laughs> All right. Well, so I want a rich and satisfying life. And like, well, don't say rich in church. That's not right. Hey, Jesus said it. It's a Bible word. <laughs> I didn't say it. So here we have it. First Samuel chapter 30. We're going to look here at verses 1 through 6. And this is a story of David got some stuff stolen. All right. First Samuel 30, 1 through 6. It says, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. That's not what you want to see when you come home at night. Your whole place is burned to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. It's bad enough to have one of your wives stolen, but both of them? (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Oh, wait. <laughs> right, Robert? I, and maybe, oh, <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. He was crying because he was so happy there. But, all right. No. I don't know. But, hey. Wow. What a day. What a, That's bad. All right. Uh, let's keep going here. Um, yeah. Verse 6. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. Hey, we'll kill you, David. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And I really like the way the King James says, uh, verse 6 there, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, have you ever been in a place where you needed some encouragement and no one else is showing up to do it? (laughs) 
<laughs> I've been there, man. You know, uh, what, if, you know, what if you, uh, I just wasn't that encouraging that day when you came to church and, uh, you know, I, I didn't encourage you, uh, and nobody else encouraged you and, and you go to work and they're certainly not encouraging you. They're probably adding to the discouragement and everywhere you go, there's no encouragement. Well, what do you do? Do you sit there and play dead? No, you do like David did. He's like, Hey, I, I, no one else is going to do it. David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And that is a survivor skill that you need in your life, (laughs) that you need to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord, your God, because you'll come into a a point in time where no one else is there to do it for you. And, and you need to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And so, yeah, David wept. David was sad. He was crying. I mean, he lost two wives in one day and he was in a bad spot, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he's like, okay, it is time to fight. The crying's over. It's time to fight. It's time to go get my stuff back. And so him and the the soldiers, they set out to find the thieves that did all this, the Amalekites, And as they're going, they find an Egyptian man out in the middle of nowhere. And it turns out this guy was a slave of one of the Amalekites, the the robbers. And they left this guy behind because he was weak and sick. And they're like, he's going to die. So they just leave him thinking he's going to die. But he didn't die. And so David and the guys are all up. And they're like, hey, can you tell us where the Amalekites are? And he's like, oh, boy, can I? Yes, I, I will lead you right to where they are. And so they get this guy back it up, and he is glad to help them find the Amalekites because he doesn't like them either. And so let's look here at verses 16 through 19. <clears throat> verses 16 through 19. So he led David to them, and they found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. And don't you think that just made David and the boys even more mad when they roll up on the scene and here's all these thieves out there drinking and feasting and dancing with their stuff. And that probably just sent their anger to a whole other level. And that just made it worse. So what happened? Well, verse 17 David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. Woo! Talk about a scene. My gosh. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. I didn't think camels were that fast, but apparently. Anyway, verse 18. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. Come on. What if David and the guys had just said, no, it's no use now. They got us. They pulled one over on us. I guess we're going to have to take the L. We lost. We're going to have to admit it. But they didn't. They chased the thieves down. Amen. And God made a way. And I'm telling you, in your life, you may think, oh, no, it's 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 too gone now. I'll never. No, you need to chase the thief down and get your stuff back. That ain't right. You need to get your stuff back just like David did. And you may have to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Now, one time several years ago, 
I had misplaced a set of keys and, uh, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't know where they were and I had been looking and, and, and finally, you know what, Lord, you're bring those keys back. Cause I, I don't know where they are. And I've been driving everywhere all week. I'd driven to Victorville and back and, and, and so I just claimed the victory on this and, and I'm driving on the freeway there, right? Where the 40 merges into the 15 over there. And all of a sudden I hear just this banging sound on my hood. I look up and my keys are sitting right on my hood and I'm like, whoa. And I mean, I pulled over and grabbed them. I'm like, where in the world did those come from? And I can promise you they hadn't been sitting there for a whole week while I drove all over Southern California and I just was too dense to see them. I believe the angels of God put those keys right where they needed to be. Amen. I've got another set of keys coming in really soon in Jesus' name, mate. <laughs> yeah. The day that the big flood hit the church, someone borrowed the keys and, uh, and, and they're gone. But they're coming back in Jesus' name. Amen. Those keys are blessed. Remember my dad, uh, he had had his class ring from high school and someone that wasn't the president of his fan club took it. <laughs> and so he was, he wanted his class ring back though. And, uh, and you know, it meant something to him. And, and you know, he didn't have it for years and years and years, but he's like, you know, Lord, I want that back. And, uh, you know, the scripture tells us that the angels of God are messengers. They're sent to help us, you know, and, and you may not believe it, but it's the truth that angels are sent to be a help to us. And so my dad prayed this prayer, you know, what angels, please just get out there and bring that back. He goes one day and opens up his, uh, the jewelry box, her jewelry box. He doesn't have one of his own. All right. Let's clear that up. But she, yeah. Okay. She, oh, she opened her jewelry box. And the class ring is just sitting right there. I mean, out of nowhere. And everyone's like, how did that happen? Like, hey, I don't need to know. <laughs> I don't need to know. But I, I, I believe that the angels of God brought it in. And so what I'm telling you is this. If you've been stolen from, you don't just have to accept defeat. You can do like David did. Encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Roll your sleeves up and go chase your stuff down. Or have the angels do it for you. And get your stuff back. But you don't have to accept defeat. And so that brings me to the third thing I want to say tonight, and it's this, all right? That we're talking about getting some payback. Number three, hey, you got to make the thief pay interest. Make the thief pay interest. You are not going to steal from a child of God and just get away with it. No, it's going to cost you something. And so uh, I think about the book of Job. Job's an interesting book in the Bible, and I think a lot of people may have a different perspective on it than a lot of us charismatic, faith-filled people do. But why, you know, most people read the book of Job and they're like, oh man, God sure put him through a lot. Well, first of all, read chapter one, the devil did it, okay? So think about that for a few minutes. <laughs> the devil straight up says, hey, I'm going to do this. And so it, God didn't do it. Uh, but also... Uh, the best part of the story is at the end. So look at Job chapter 42. Job 42. Because, man, I'll see someone that just looks depressed like you just, you know, told them the worst news in the world. Man, I just, I identify with Job, brother. I don't like, you identify with Job? What part of Job? Uh, like, <laughs> I identify with Job too, but I identify with the, the Job in chapter 42. <laughs> so Job chapter 42. And, uh, yeah, let's get real. The man went through a lot. He was rich, and he lost everything he owned. Uh, he had a good family, and he lost them all. He was, except for his wife. The devil never took his wife. But, <laughs> 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 
truth. I, I'm sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, it's serious. But you read the whole chapter. The Christian comedian Tim Hawkins talked about it. the devil came and took all his money, all his houses, all his cows, all his cattle, took his boys and his girls, everything, but he left the wife. And so, and so, uh, so anyway, the comedian's like, you know, pretty sure that the, uh, God's like, Satan, well, are you going to do something to his wife? They're like, no, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Leave her. Leave her. <laughs> now, the, every woman of this church is the best in the world, so don't take that wrong. We've got the best women on planet Earth. Right, men? Help me out here. I'm, yeah, I don't want to go to, I'm not going down alone. All right. They are all winners at this church. Wow. All right. First service is seeing your pastor. I'm probably going to get kicked out my first night. You're like, man, that didn't last long. That didn't last long. All right. Yeah, my you guys, you guys can keep Pastor Katie. You can kick me out. All right. Uh, Job 42.10. So he had been through a lot. But here's the part of Job that I'm talking about, okay? You can read the first 41 chapters and, you know, get the blues and all that, but I'm talking about chapter 42. Job 42, verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, what happened? The Lord restored his fortunes. But not not only that, he got back all of his stuff, but check it out. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. We're talking about double for your trouble today. Amen. He got double of everything. If he had a million dollars, now he had two million dollars. If he had, you know, two, he had, he had double of everything. Now here's the thing, in all seriousness, Job, he had money and possessions and real estate and everything else just taken away from him. But he had loved ones stolen. And I think about in our lives, maybe you've had people Loved ones or relationships stolen. I'm not saying they died necessarily, but I'm saying like the devil did something to steal that person out of your life. I'm telling you, you can really make the enemy pay interest on that. (laughs) You know what I mean? You tried to mess with my family. Now we're going to be twice as strong as ever before. Amen. We're going to, we're going to have everything restored to us. And so I'm going to look at a few verses, uh, here pretty quickly. Isaiah 49 and verse 18, but don't just, you know, uh, I mean the thief, he's got to return my stuff, but on top of that, he's going to have to pay interest. He, it's going to cost him something and, and he's got to, he's just got to know. So Isaiah 49 and verse 18, amen. Isaiah 49 and verse 18, check this out. I love the book of Isaiah. It's absolutely dynamite. But Isaiah 49 and verse 18, and it tells us this. We're talking about getting your family restored better than ever. Look around you and see, for all your children will come back to you. Wow. We're talking about people of God here, the people of Judah that had lost their kids had gone. But he says, no, 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 all your children, they're going to come back to you. As surely as I live, says the Lord, they will be like jewels or bridal ornaments for you to display. Wow. 
The devil thought, I stole their kids, I shamed them, I made them look bad. No, they're coming back, and you are going to be so proud of them. They're going to be like uh, jewels for you to display and absolutely shame the devil. You are getting restoration in your family if you're willing to say, no, 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 the thief is not stealing from us anymore. Somebody ought to say amen there. That's pretty good. That's good stuff. Look at chapter 61. Isaiah 61 and verse 7. Isaiah 61 and verse 7. I want to get back to that double talk. Who wants, who wants some double? Yeah. Isaiah 61 and verse 7. It says, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. Double. Somebody say double. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. That is good news for us tonight. A double portion of prosperity. And if you're like me, you like those double portions. Come on, somebody. Amen. I always want a double portion. And it tells us right here that no, no more shame, no more dishonor, no more making you look like the fool. You are going to enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. That's what God can do in your life if you'll let him. Now I'm going to turn to everybody's favorite book, the book of Zechariah. Let's go. Zechariah. All right. Everybody's crazy about Zechariah. Everyone loves it. Okay. So it's going to be on page 894. So flip right there. Zechariah 9 and verse 12. And I want you to see this. It's way towards the the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah 9 and verse 12. And check this out. I mean, we're talking about double blessings. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. Amen. The devil thought he had you as a prisoner, but hey, you never lost your hope. You still had your hope. Now look at this. Here's what I want you to see. The Lord says, I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Two blessings for each of your troubles. Who believes in a double blessing for your trouble? I believe in a double blessing, but you know what I believe in more than that? A sevenfold blessing. You're like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. This is too much for us. No, it's true. It's in the Bible. So I want you to go to Proverbs chapter six. All right. Because I mean, hey, it's good. It's nice to just get your stuff back and call it even. But what's even better than that is to get double for your trouble. But what's even better than that is to get sevenfold return on everything the thief tried to steal from you. Amen. And so if he stole a dollar, he's got to give seven back. If he stole a wife, he's got to give seven back. If he stole, you know, uh, <laughs> all right, okay, I'll leave that alone. I ran that well dry. That joke's over. All right. Uh, but whatever it is the devil stole, sevenfold return. Amen. All right. So here we go. Proverbs chapter six. And we're going to look uh, here at verse 31. I'll be in the New King James on this. Proverbs six. 
And we're going to look here at, at verse 31. And this is all talking, if you read the previous verses, there's talking about a thief. But verse 31 says, but if he, the thief, be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. And so it tells us there, man, you catch that thief, you catch that sucker, he's going to pay back sevenfold of what he stole from you. Now this is maybe referring to a thief, but I'm talking about the thief, the devil. And if he stole, he's got to pay back. And I'm believing for a sevenfold restoration of everything stolen in Jesus name. Some of you, the devil stole some years from your life, right? I mean, years caught in addiction or, or just a mess or sin or whatever. And you're like, and maybe you've thought, man, I wish I could get those years back. I, you know, all of my twenties, all of my thirties were just stole. Well, guess what, brother? Guess what, sister? You can have those years restored sevenfold for every year that he stole seven good years in your life. Who believes that? I'm serious. That amen. And so I remember a few years ago, we were in uh, Anaheim with Kenneth Copeland and, and they were talking about uh, that they were, they were believing for a year of, of a sevenfold thing like this. And he said they saw it in their ministry. They were seven times. They did the math seven times as productive that entire year as they were in a normal year. And so what he was saying is for every one day that we go into the office, we get seven days of work done all at once in one day, you know, for everything that we're doing, we've been sevenfold productive. And I'm thinking, man, in our lives, what if, man, maybe the devil did steal some time and some years and some days away from you, but in the name of Jesus, we speak restoration over you. If you want double for your trouble, call it in. But if you want sevenfold payment back from the thief, I believe in the name of Jesus that you can have that in your life. If he stole it, he's got to pay it back in Jesus' name. But you have to be willing to speak faith and to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And maybe you had a year like, man, I was just, I was lukewarm. I, you know, I didn't walk away from God, but uh, I've just not been where I need to be. Well, man, in the name of Jesus, get your fire back. Amen. Come on, get your fire back. And I'll bet that, that the rest of this year and next year, you're going to chase God harder and you're going to have a seven fold. Amen. Seven times as much fire and productivity for Jesus as you have ever had before. If you used to get one person a year saved, next year let's get seven of them saved for you. Amen? If you used to get two saved, get 14 next year. (laughs) Come on, you can keep doing the math. I'm not too good at that, but you can do it, all right? And so I'm telling you right now, in Jesus' name, make the thief pay. You can get double or you can get seven times back from the enemy. But now is the time. Amen. And I'm so excited about what God's doing. I'm not, I was just, Pastor Kate and I were talking yesterday. There's a lot of, I mean, just, I don't like to use this phrase, but like mind-blowingly good things happening, you know, in our church and in our community. And, you know, we're looking at just the thousands of people coming into our town and like, we're going to be so ready for them. Um, but so many people in this church over the last two months are getting phenomenal promotions into prominent positions in this community. And, 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 you know, at first we're like, oh, that's cool. She's, you know, rising up. He's got this job. And then all of a sudden we're thinking like, oh, now I get it. We connected the dots. 
God's doing that on purpose because we have been planted here for such a time as this. And God is putting some of you in very important and prominent positions because you are people of the word of faith. You are people that have the fire of God in you and you're disciples of Jesus. And he wants to use you in this season as, I mean, quadruple the amount of people come into this area thinking that they're going to get a job. They're going to get Jesus. They're going to get discipled. Amen. God's bringing them out to the desert to get them where they need to be with Jesus. And it is going to be a beautiful thing. And so, again, I've seen so many people, I mean, right, <laughs> get crazy promotions and raises and benefits and, and all the, I mean, just, it's it's nuts. And the rest of the country is talking about recession. And technically, by the technical term, the country is in a recession. There's two consecutive quarters of negative uh, economics and so it's a it's by every legal technical term the u.s is in a recession but all i'm seeing is people rising up and getting promotions and and bonuses and raises and and prominence and so if you're here and man maybe the devil's kind of stole some of that away from you hey you claim in the name of jesus that you're not only just getting a, a, the job or the whatever, you're getting, I mean, just an awesome double, seven times job what you need. And God is going to do some great things. He wants you to have it. And promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west or from the north or from the south. Promotion comes from God. And so quit looking. Hey, are they going to give me my promotion? No, they're not. God is going to give you your promotion. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. Who's excited about what Jesus is doing in our midst? The Lord sure is good to us. And you know, so many times in scripture, we've seen where, uh, man, the rest of the world uh, would be going through just an absolute crisis. Yet God always had a way of blessing his people through all of it and making them rise to the top because the light shines brightest in the darkness. And so in this season where people may be thinking, you know, oh man, it's getting bad out there. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen next. God wants to use you in a great big way. And people would say, well, how are you prospering in, in Barstow? <laughs> man, shut up. Quit talking about Barstow. This place is the best place in the world. Amen. And so God is restoring so much to this community. I read all these old articles about how it was the, you know, the gateway and all this stuff to the, you know, to the West. And that, I mean, I'm telling you guys, this community is no longer going to be the laughing stock. It's going to be the pride and the envy of so many other places. And it, it, it certainly is Jesus. Amen. It's good stuff. All right. Well, uh, let's have our prayer team come on up tonight. Praise God. Have our prayer team come up. If you're here and you need prayer this evening, we would love to pray with you. And if not, man, just sit there and rejoice. Count your blessings because <laughs> you're blessed. You've got a real good. Whether you know it or not, you have a really, really good life that a lot of other people would love to have. So let's take a minute tonight and worship the Lord. But if you need prayer, come on up. And death could not hold you. The veil tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring.
the praise of your glory for you are raised to life again and you have no rival you have no name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a powerful name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. And for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. 
Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wind things down tonight. Pray that everybody's received the word of God this evening. And uh, my dad was just reminding me that the October devotion that he just wrote uh, is all it starts off with First Samuel 30. The whole month is about learning to encourage yourself in the Lord. And so get that. It's on the info booth back there, the printed copy. Or you could go on our website, hdwc.org slash blog or the Facebook page has it, too. So get on there and you can uh, you can see that, man. That's phenomenal. All right. Also, um, if you would, uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to be praying at the city council meeting. I'm opening it up in prayer. And as you know, some of our local elected officials are got some stuff going on. <laughs> they aren't all getting along right now. And um, it was weird at the beginning of the year. They we all they have to ask the pastors, you know, when they're going to pray. And I was like, I'll, I'll do October 3rd. You know, I like October. I'll, I'll be in a good mood. So I just picked October 3rd. And I, I had no idea it would be the day after they announced that the city was getting ready to be awesome and, and that it would also be in the midst of whatever else is going on over there. So anyway, uh, just pray in Jesus' name that that'll go really great tomorrow night. And we're going to see uh, the peace of God uh, amongst our uh, officials and leaders and good things happening to Barstow in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray tonight. Then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. I think I've got some anxious young volunteers up front here, so we'll see where this goes. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for everything that has happened today, Lord. You are so good. We thank you for your blessing upon this church and upon our future, Lord, as you are just doing new and wonderful things. And, Lord, I pray that uh, the rest of this week you are going to use us for your glory, Lord. Send us to the hurting because we've got the answers they need, Lord. Send us to those that need peace because we know how to get them the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Jesus, we want to be used. We don't want to sit on the bench. We want to be used by you. And so thank you for all the miraculous things that we've seen. And we do know that the best is yet to come for this church and for this community. We love you. You are so good. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right. Well, let's do our Barstow faith confession. All right. Thomas, wait, you did it recently, huh? All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's have Athena. All right. There we go. Athena, let's do it. All right. <laughs> I've been borderline mean to the females tonight, so I feel bad. Let's have, let's redeem this whole thing, all right? And my apologies to everybody I've offended. All right, you ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you Wednesday.